0: hi hi
1: welcome back to with friends like us we are Annalise and
0: taylor your resident besties today we will be discussing how to create healthy boundaries with family we know this topic is a difficult one for most people because when it comes to family so much is not discussed for fear of hurting feelings today we have a special guest joining us to share their story and challenges with creating boundaries with his family
1: We want to provide you with a trigger warning for today's episode. We'll be discussing the sensitive and potentially distressing topic of sexual assault, particularly when the perpetrator is a family member. We understand that this subject can be deeply triggering and emotionally challenging for survivors and those who may have experienced trauma. We will be discussing various aspects of creating healthy boundaries with family after
0: experiencing sexual assault. Throughout the episode, we will approach this topic with care and sensitivity, ensuring that we create a safe space for discussion. However, we want to emphasize that we will be sharing personal stories related to sexual assault and its impact on family dynamics. If you feel that this content may be distressing or triggering to you, we encourage you to prioritize your emotional well-being and consider whether you are in a place to listen to this episode.
1: So with all that being said, grab your bestie, your favorite coffee, and let's get into it. Coffee time. Coffee time. We have a guest today,
0: guys. Yeah, Angela, why don't you start? What is your coffee? Because you are in a much smaller cup, so we know it's not our huge. I'm
2: going to shake my coffee just like the hosts. Okay. Um, well, I'll start off by saying, like, I'm a huge coffee person, but Starbucks is not my bag. <laughs> your are yeah. Well, I, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm always up for trying new things. So mm. I, I currently live in Denver, Colorado, uh, very known for, for its coffee culture. But I moved into the suburbs, and and so I'm currently on a mission to try to find my coffee.
1: The shop.
2: The shop. And I identified, you know, I moved into the suburbs, and we have a Starbucks, and we have a Dutch Brothers, like any city, or Mm -hmm. like any suburb would. I'm I'm in the process, and I found a place about eight miles, but eight miles is like... It's a lot for coffee. It's just far enough. (laughs) Yeah. That, like, whenever I go, I order two... (laughs) He wanted to bring home without ice that way could store it away and keep it for another day. Um, but yeah, so I have a vanilla sweet cream cold brew from Starbucks. I was having a conversation with Annalise earlier where she was like, Oh, they didn't put enough cold foam on top, and I said Or
1: any. Or
2: any. I was like You know what? It's Starbucks. I'm not going to enjoy it anyway, so why complain? (laughs) And that that
1: makes me sad. Well, because you spend a small fortune. And Mm -hmm. your drink
0: was specifically a vanilla sweet cream cold foam cold brew, right? Of which there was
2: maybe a drop of cold foam on top. But again, like, you know... I already had built-in disappointment.
1: <laughs> well, it's okay because they gave me a gallon of cold <laughs> foam yeah. on mine, so I literally just took a spoon and emptied it yeah. onto the mean, top of his. Look how
2: that works
0: out,
1: right?
2: You want work's me to
0: do out. it? You know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I did not know. That's interesting. I didn't know Denver was like a big coffee hub. Yeah, it's like it's like a
2: you know they call it a sister city with like Portland, so oh. it's very yeah. like we need we need our our variety of coffee shops with different gimmicks yeah. and like.
1: Do they do vibes. like the foam art too?
2: Yeah,
0: a lot of yeah, shops
2: typically they do.
0: Okay, so oh. at a coffee shop though, what is your typical order?
2: I am a decidedly not a hot coffee person, mm-hmm. and my gauge. I mean, admittedly, uh, a little more probably ch- childlike. <laughs> I, want it. I want the best adult version of, like, uh, caffeinated chocolate milk. Okay, it's like mocha. A mocha, okay. a latte. But I, I want it to strike the a really good balance between caffeinated and me being able to get, like... My uh, energy out of it and, like, a nostalgia to, like, a nice, sweet chocolate milk.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I'm in that boat, so that's
1: good to know. I feel I'm the same way. Like, you still want to taste the coffee, Mm -hmm. but it has to be sweet.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's why uh, Phil's sort of uh, Mm -hmm. has has struck a chord within me and
1: my Mm -hmm. soul. Yeah. Phil's is great.
2: Yeah. And another piece of background, I used to live in San Francisco for two years. And then prior to that, I was in Washington, D.C., and we had Phil's in both places. Denver does not have one, which is why I'm on this like mission to find my equivalent. Yeah, but I'll find it. Yeah, I I'm doubt nothing it. if not determined. So,
0: <laughs> well, if I'm ever in Denver, we can try the hot spots. I like trying new yes. coffee places too well yeah, it's just
1: i blame angelo for turning us on to seven leaves <laughs> yeah. and the only place we can get it at least near here is san jose which yeah. who's going to drive all the way over no. there
2: one hour drive no.
1: the ah. most fantastic <laughs> vietnamese is the house coffee it's sweet it's strong mm-hmm. i don't think i've ever had a better coffee than agreed seven leaves agreed. House coffee.
2: fantastic i i also that's uh, in, in addition to trying to replicate my phil's uh my Phils bag uh, in Denver. I'm trying to find a Vietnamese coffee that replicates seven leaves in Denver. And I, um, the one thing about Denver, in terms of an Asian population, because I am Filipino American, so I grew up in Southern California where there are a lot of variety of of Asian populations. In Denver, it's Vietnamese Americans. Oh, mm. so there are a lot of boba shops.
1: Okay, Vietnamese, Vietnamese coffee food
2: places. Oh, okay. The thing about uh, Vietnamese iced coffee, and I think you've experienced this on only, is that it is a very strong, strong coffee. And so you have to find the formula for it that addresses what I talked about earlier, str- like strength, but also like sweetness. Mm-hmm. And most of the times it's just strength. <laughs> it's just like, <laughs> am I drinking gravel?
1: <laughs> no, and it, I, I'm not kidding you. It can taste like rubbing alcohol. Yeah. It's, yeah so strong it's so strong it's mm-hmm. just like a flavor where it's like what is that oh what yeah. did you like, put what in you, this did what you, you what, what you did you lace drink? this
0: with that makes sense because remember when my sister moved to dallas i had mm. just happened to look up seven leaves i was curious and they had like three in her area which shocked right. me. yeah so i went one day and it did not hit like it did it in didn't? southern california oh, and it man. had a very strong weird flavor and i couldn't put my finger on it but maybe it was just not the right combo
1: you know, yeah, because that just exists. formula is, right there. The beauty with mm. their drink is that it's creamy yeah. without yeah. being too creamy yep. and sweet. And then they put the don't they put like um, cinnamon or something, Himalayan S- S- salt on top or something on the on
2: the cream. Yeah, there's like a, a salt a something, it's something a that just ugh, just
0: melts right in. Guys, man, is we, this we now need now to take a trip park. to Santa Fe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I
1: know,
0: right? We'll drop Angela off at the airport. <laughs> no.
1: One of these days, Taylor and I will open a with friends like us coffee and cafe. Oh, how cute. And Guys. we'll have our own coffee shop and we can do our podcast out of
0: it. Oh, oh my god. Hire yeah. me as a
2: consultant because I'll plan your it'll be a it'll be your with friends like us tour.
0: Yeah. Oh, we can yes. do those little
1: pop ups <laughs> and travel pop-ups. around on bus on a bus and do a pop up and meet and <laughs> greet. Yes. <laughs> At different coffee shops. Yeah, no, not at coffee shops. Our own. Our own cafe. Oh, like our bus our, uh, our is the
0: coffee. What, yes. what
2: she's really um, suggesting is that we open up a coffee truck. Yes,
0: exactly. <laughs> yeah. And we just drive it around yeah. and record. No one's mm-hmm. on board with this.
1: I mean, come on. We could be making good coffee. Yeah. We could do meet and greets. Let's do it. Okay, so we do have an episode <laughs> <Okay>. today.
0: <laughs> Angelo, do you want to introduce yourselves to our listeners and... Or- let them know a little bit about you. Sure. And I'll I'll make
2: this a little more general, if that's okay. So my name is Angelo. I am originally from Southern California, born and raised. I am the first generation son of, of Filipino immigrants. Mm. Uh, that has defined a lot of my experience and I think is a good basis to understand sort of the story that I will probably share with you all today. I grew up in a very large extended family, again, of, of folks who immigrated from the Philippines. Me and my cousins grew up together sort of as like this extended cohort of people. Even if we weren't necessarily like uh, first cousins or second cousins, we all kind of grew up as brothers and sisters. That closeness was positive and negative. And again, probably defined a lot of, of how I went through life and experienced things and uh, my motivations and uh, my goals. So, uh, my connection to <laughs> the two hosts of this podcast. I, you know, it's like uh, th- there's the the there's friends and there's family, and then there's friends that have become family. I don't know if I uh, showed you, but so I am I am first cousins with Anna husband. Yeah, JR Taylor is. My co-godparent.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> to little Isla. <laughs> to little Isla.
2: One um, of Lisa's daughters. So I, I, I'm very intertwined and interwoven in this cinematic universe <laughs> with friends <laughs> like us. And we love our Angela. And
1: he's also a fan. I well, think okay. I am
2: I am a <laughs> devoted fan. I I want to share an anecdote where I promoted the podcast and I'm a I'm a, I'm very much so a pop culture steeped in pop culture and I, I posted on Instagram saying oh something about like I can't wait to watch this and Vanderpump Rules because of Scandaval. and Scandival. A, a few of my <laughs> DC friends were like I listened to the whole podcast did I miss when they mentioned Vanderpump Rules? <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, "Oh, I'm so sorry. That was
0: misleading, but maybe intentional." <laughs> oh, I love that we got a follower from yeah. somewhere else. This is why I
1: asked. They never An- listened An- again. Yeah, yeah, I asked
0: Annalise <laughs> An-
2: yesterday. I was like, "Did you have a viewer, a listener in Washington, D.C.?" <laughs>
1: yeah.
2: I wish I would tell sorry us that. About that. Yeah. <laughs> so, in new ways, that's my life in a nutshell. I, 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 uh, I do communications and PR work. I've done it for the last decade. Uh, I've hopped around. I lived on, like I said, I grew up in Southern California, went to school on the East Coast in Washington, D.C. After about a decade, wanted to come back uh, to the West Coast. I did so. I, I did a couple of years in San Francisco during the pandemic. Very challenging. And an opportunity popped up for me to um, do the same thing, but in Denver. And I'm if I'm nothing if not a wanderer. And, like, curious about new places and uh, curious about uh, what kind of life I can have in in places I haven't explored. So, I, was, I said, you know what? Why not? So, I gave it a shot and moved to Denver about a year ago. And I currently live there. And it's my new home.
1: And you love it. Yeah. And I love it. And we can't wait
0: to visit. I you know. can't wait
2: to have both of you.
0: I definitely will be. I haven't been to Colorado yet.
2: Beautiful. So,
0: I really want to visit for sure. Yeah, so that's
2: that's my life. But, you know, I think it, it begs mentioning that I think part of my like a, a sort of explorative spirit uh, stems from, I think, the basis of this episode and the need for me to exert my independence and to pronounce the boundaries that I wanted to put up for myself in light of the way I grew up and the, the things I've experienced.
1: Do you want to talk a little bit about your family dynamics and how those are intricate and challenging in regards to what happened.
2: Absolutely. I think that's why we're here today. Yeah. And, you know, I, uh, I don't necessarily get the chance to do this outside of, like, a therapy mm-hmm. <laughs> space. So, yeah, uh, you know, as I, I think I alluded to earlier, but, like, I grew up in a very sprawling, large Filipino immigrant family, Um, one where it's like my grandparents, my maternal grandparents, had 10 children.
3: Wow.
2: And uh, they grew up in, I would say, what we would consider probably poverty circumstances in the Philippines. And they, among the kids wanted to get out of that and started like in the 60s, 70s, 80s to begin the migration process to the U.S. one by one. And they did that in search of what I think a lot of people um, from from immigrant cultures look for. It's like the 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 shining goal of coming to the U.S. and, and experiencing freedom and experiencing... Um, the American dream. The American dream, the opportunity to, to pull yourself up and... And, and buy that house in the suburbs and your kids go to safe schools. Um, but, you know, and that happened. I would say by the 80s, the majority of of my mom and her sister's family were here. They were living in Southern California. And that's when I came into the picture. And I would say that the basis of the family structure was very tight knit, very Intertwined by necessity, but also by choice. By by necessity, I mean like these were immigrants who came here from the Philippines. Um, my grandma and grandpa had a, were renting a house in LA, and all their kids were living there, adult children, <laughs> uh, while they were all looking for jobs and and places to to make that dream happen. I had aunts that were working at like the drive through Carl's Jr my mom working as like a clerk at the American Red Cross, like uncles and aunts trying new things to unlock that dream. All, mostly if not all, living in the same place and with the benefits and the downfalls of what that presents. So I think what I'm getting at is the familial, the familial culture and I don't know how different it is. I think that there's a lot of similarities in various other cultures and Latino cultures and mm-hmm. other Asian cultures of family as the foundation is just a given.
1: And by that I mean like family takes care of family at all costs. Right.
2: That's the that's like that's the goal, as opposed to I think when you know, American culture is like it's not as much as 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 much as like we like to idealize what we're experiencing. American culture is you are doing it for yourself. Yeah. Right. You you're grow gonna up, achieve
1: You leave the home. Yes. You create your own life, your own family. Yes. And it's generation by generation that creates their own.
2: Right. And I think Filipino uh, culture, uh, there's a bit of like, if you succeed, your family succeeds. And that sounds mm-hmm. so great. But there's also an expectation side to that. If you succeed, your hand goes out to them and you're lifting every single one. And if you don't, I think this is the linchpin of of the toxicity of it. You are betraying your family.
0: So that's a lot of pressure. It's a lot of pressure. The successful, yeah. Mm
2: -hmm. And I think that it's an expectation like that that has colored for me a lot of what it means to succeed and what it means to grow up and what it means to have ambition for something. It's colored what that experience is for my cousins. I would say that depending on our circumstances, some of us took that expectation and ran with it. Some of us took it and let it keep us down. Mm-hmm. And I think for me, it, uh, I chafed against it. I was very like, my success is my success.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: My parents, specifically my mom, never put that expectation on me. So, thank you, Mom. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, but I can't say that I that that's common.
1: Right. Hmm. She wanted you to go to the school you wanted to, move yeah. to the yeah. state you wanted to, yeah. succeed, and she was fine with watching you succeed and not expecting you to then take care of her right. and mm-hmm. give her money or whatever it is.
2: Exactly. So, like, you know, a case in point, I remember when I was 17 looking to the, to college, Um, The first one in my family unit, extended family unit, where that was an option or a possibility. And I remember having a conversation with my mom and dad, and I was very intentional. I said, I'm going to apply to a college close to home, right? One in my hometown. I'll apply to one about an hour away. Mm -hmm. That way it's far enough. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I'll, I'll apply to one that's like a reach, distance-wise. And I got into all the colleges and I said, I don't want to go to the one that's close to home Mm -hmm. because I don't want to live at home. Mm -hmm. And I remember my mom was like, you'll go where uh, you want to go. And my dad was like, why are you telling him that? (laughs) (laughs) He was like, he'll go to the one that will give him the most financial aid one. Mm. And by virtue of that, he'll go to the one that's closest to home. So we don't have to pay for room and board. Right. Um, and my mom was like, shh, shh, shh. <laughs> like <laughs> you shut up. He'll go where he wants to go. And so my mom afforded me that opportunity. I wanted that opportunity. Yeah. I think I was already again, uh, chafing for like this independence for this different life, for something that I didn't experience growing up. And, mm. uh, that's part of the whole story is like I've always yearned to get out I wouldn't say like abandon but like to make my own life Mm
3: right
2: I think uh probably because of circumstances that we we will untangle Mm -hmm. in this episode you'll probably understand a little more why I felt so motivated to do that but yeah, I don't even remember the original question. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's okay. Fa- family dynamics, that's all really all it was.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, the family okay, I'll jump back into it if that's okay. Yeah. Of course. Yeah, the family dynamics, everything is intertwined. There's an expectation of of your destiny is our destiny.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: There's a perception of uh and it comes with like if your success is not our success, then you aren't, you're not doing it right. Mm-hmm. And for me, I've always been ambitious. I've always been motivated. And I think, I hate to toot my own horn, but I was always sort of like that straight A student that that uh, wanted to be the best. That wasn't always sort of taken well mm-hmm. yeah. within our family. I think I come from a very blue collar working class family of people who hustled, uh, whether it was working at the mechanic shop or working at a fast food place. So it wasn't part, like, you know, we weren't the model minority Asian story, like, (laughs) of, like, kids who all, like, you know, with tiger moms who were going to the best colleges. Like, we were like, Doing our best to survive, doing our best to, to be able to pay rent and to um, own a home or whatever it is. And I, I think out of a foundation a basis of, and I'll admit it, a little bit of shame about it, I was like, I want better for myself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think my mom and dad wanted better for me. I don't think my dad understand what better meant because, again, he he's an electrician and he was just working hard to provide meals for us on a, on a daily basis. He was very proud of what I had accomplished growing up, my motivations growing up, the fact that I was like, you know, uh, getting straight A's and, and being this little nerd. <laughs> <laughs> Aside from the fact that I couldn't play sports or didn't want to, he was, he was very proud of me. And so was my mom. And I think, my, um, I think that a lot of my family, if I'm being honest, um, side-eyed me. <laughs> yeah. Or, or viewed me as like, oh, he doesn't want to be here. He's ashamed of, of what this is. And uh, so, yeah, th- that colored a lot of m- of me growing up as well.
0: So when you say in your like family dynamic, your success is their success. Does that also mean your struggles are their struggles? Your failures are their failures? Is everything... Looked at as you share it all, or does it come uh, down to success? Not necessarily.
2: That's a good question. Yeah, that's a great question. I wouldn't say necessarily like literally intertwined like that. What I think I mean is we as a collective, a lot of us are struggling and a lot of us are, or some of us are struggling, some of us are succeeding. But there is an unspoken expectation that if if one or more of us are succeeding, uh, if we're not putting our hand out to the to the next person or to my mom or to my cousin who is struggling mm-hmm. that you're somehow like betraying your ancestors okay. that you're not fulfilling what this dream is, the struggles mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. the thousands of dollars they spent on f- flights and 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 lawyers to try to immigrate to the u s and the idea is like if you're not going to do that, if you're not going to share what you, you're you reaping from your success, then, like, why did we even go through all this struggle together? Mm-hmm. Why did your grandma risk escaping a war-torn country right. with a dictator? <laughs>
1: so it's <laughs> like, like an ultimate betrayal.
2: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think so. And and just, like, I think it's also, and not for nothing, like, uh, I think all three of us in this room grew up Catholic. Mm-hmm. Is that yes. true? Yes. Yes. Um, there's, you know, in, in, in Catholic culture, I think it's, there's family is another basis of what the unit is. And, and I think it's also true in like Mexican culture, for instance, like mm-hmm. the, the, the family unit is this indestructible. It's like blood is thicker than water. It's, yeah. it's these things where it's like um, if you're not if you're not loyal to family, then you don't have loyalty. Right. Um, Absolutely. And the, and like, listen. I love my I love my uh, immediate um, nuclear family, I love my mom, my sister. I love my extended family members in some way. <laughs> 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 but I think unconditional I think unconditional expectations of love like that come with its own set of toxicity.
0: Mhm. Mm-hmm. Lots of strings and everything.
2: Strings and again expectations and Um, unrealistic expectations. Mm -hmm. And
1: a guilt-filled life. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh,
2: An expectation of, like, personal sacrifice in service of a larger communal good Yeah, with everyone else.
1: So I guess to go back to Taylor's question, I think what I got from your question of, like, if you share your struggles and your challenges, so then does that mean, you know, when... The perpetrator did what he did. Mm -hmm. Did your family then scoop in to all fix it and be there and support each other through the ugly, or is it only when it's good?
0: Exactly.
2: Exactly. So yeah, I think I'll I'll dive into this. Um. In and yeah, this is this is where it's going to get deep and and you know I'm gonna I'll tell the story, but without without you know uh, getting too crazy and 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 implicating or incriminating any whatever I, I. Again, we were in this large, uh, this large family unit of immigrants, people who were navigating the U.S. for the first time, um, trying to succeed together. Uh, Unfortunately for me and some of my other younger family members, we had a, one of our older male family members ended up sexually abusing a few of us. And... Sort of the, the, the profound experience that like the, how that changed everyone's life is, is kind of uh, has led me to where I am today. But I would say that it wasn't, you know, this kind of thing. I think it started in the 80s and then kind of silently carried on until we had sort of the courage to be able to come out and say it in, in, by the time we were or young adults in the 2000s. You know, uh, unfortunately, this kind of thing is, isn't uncommon. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This kind of thing crosses cultures, it crosses class groups, it crosses races. The foundation that I've laid for you in, in describing what my family dynamic was like, sort of colored what happened in the aftermath, mm-hmm. right? It came out, I think uh, uh, one of my uncles had passed away and We were all together. It was the first big loss that we had experienced as a family and tensions were high and emotions were high and it came out. I remember sort of the disbelief around like, what? Like, no, that can't be true. That didn't happen. Mm -hmm. And then the questions of if that really happened, why didn't you say anything? Why didn't they say anything? Why Why is it coming out now? And I remember, I remember the immediate sort of proverbial, like, stab in the heart that that
3: mm-hmm.
2: represented to me. Because if I can bring it back to being a child and experiencing it in real time. And I remember vividly, I was watching an episode of, it might have been Oprah <laughs> when I was a kid. And um, Oprah or, like, one of the other talk shows, and, and they had guests. And it was uh, survivors of sexual abuse and... I remember the talk show host had asked, um, why didn't you say anything younger? And I remember he said, because I didn't want my parents to kill this person. Mm. And I remember in my child's mind thinking, I don't want my dad to get in trouble. Mm. Mm. I don't want my mom to get in trouble because they'll, they'll... Do something. They'll do something. Well, when it all came out... And I won't say any like individual re- reaction, but like once it came out that no, one, <laughs> that that most people weren't willing to kill, kill or like proverbially kill. Right. You know what I? I think what I and my other fellow victims wanted was like anger mm-hmm. and um, not vengeance, but an addressing of of the traumas that we experienced, and we got. Mm-hmm. We got okay. If that happened, like, just like I'm so sorry, but let's not talk about it.
1: Right, it's heartbreaking.
2: Yeah, it was. It was. I think you know. Aside from losing my innocence as a child, was probably the second time I said, "Oh, oh, okay, this. Uh, that's not how it works. It's right. not. Life's not a fairy tale."
0: Yeah. You don't want to share those struggles with me or try and help me through those yeah, struggles,
2: right? And 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 I'm gonna bring it right back around. Oh, to all of you, the uh, spirit of family unity, the spirit of the reputation of our family, the ability for us to all still be one happy uh, group of people um, took precedence, took preference. Over, what happened to us? Mm-hmm. It was like, well, you know, I'm so sorry. Just avoid, avoid him. Ugh. Or, or uh, like, okay, but but what? Like, what about Christmas? Like, are we gonna are we gonna just have separate Christmas? <laughs> it was like the fact that that's even a conversation. Right. right.
0: <laughs> that's where your mind's going
1: right mm-hmm. now. Is uh, how to betrayal. keep peace and harmony.
2: Yeah. Hmm.
0: Betrayal. That's a great word.
2: Yeah. It was the, the sort of an ultimate betrayal, like a, a removing of the safety net under you. Mm-hmm. And so, like, for me, after that, I was just like, okay, this, this thing that I, the only thing I knew growing up, but the, also, you know, my family, the only thing I knew growing up, this this dynamic, and I was already, like, suspicious of the dynamic. <laughs> I was, yeah. yeah. I was already like, I don't know that I want this, guys. Right. But, um... Once that happened, I said, oh, okay. Well, you know what? Peace out. Why? Yeah. I said, this is not what I want. This is not what I need. I didn't have the intricate way of, 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 of understanding it and being able to articulate it and trying to, like, you know, incorporate it into my life. I didn't know yet. I was, I was young in my early 20s. And I said, all I know is I need to get the fuck out. Yeah. <laughs> so that was, like, boundary number one.
1: Put boundary out. number one. Hard.
2: <laughs> Very hard. Very hard. And I, so, uh, but I did what I knew how to do best. Use my skills, use my knowledge, use my motivation, my uh, ambition, and take myself out of the situation
3: mm-hmm.
2: in a way that was functional. Yeah, I wasn't just going to be like a stray runaway, like right. with a knapsack over my shoulder, like, <laughs> on children on Route 66. Like, take me, take me.
1: <laughs>
2: right. I wasn't going to be like, um, you know, like with dirt <laughs> on my face on the side of the road, like I'm going to be a mechanic. And, and that was not me. I was like, I will go to grad school in yeah. Washington, D.C. And, um, you know, when I told you about me going to college and I went to undergrad, I went about an hour away from home. It was that probably was my first boundary, I think. Oh, OK. But it was it was safe because I was mm-hmm. I was close enough to home, but I was living independently. I was mm-hmm. living this like whoop, like mm-hmm. I'm in college. I'm having a great time. Um, post post undergrad, when I was going to college, I said, um, "Take me as far away as humanly possible in the United States, mm-hmm. away from this dynamic." So I said, "Okay." I was plotting like, "I'm gonna go to grad school. I'm gonna go to the East Coast because because like um, uh, mentally and emotionally and physically very far away from home. Right. Um, it represented a risk." that i think um, satisfied that like internal craving for like for like forget all of you mm-hmm. and i was like also just like genuinely curious to to see what life was and i think it was the first time in my life that i didn't let fear dictate in fact i let the fear uh the fear of that unknown lead
0: yeah propel you further propelled me
2: yeah and i remember Uh, I say the word fear and it didn't, I wasn't that scared. I was more excited Mm -hmm. and I went into it probably a little more vulnerable (laughs) than I should have. Like I was like, okay, I secretly saved 10 grand. I was living very frugally. I was like making this a secret plan to like tell my parents, hey guys, I got into grad school and I'm going to move and uh, I don't need any of your help. Mm. Yeah. Um, And so I did it. I had this ten grand i all ol- I only knew i was i got into the university. Mm-hmm. I didn't have housing. <laughs> I didn't have a job. I said ten grand will be just fine for me, and I did it and here's the thing about myself, and I know myself uh it worked out
3: mm-hmm. yeah,
2: I made it work. I found I had a friend who lived out there a place to live, a job within a month and a half, two months and um I did this thing that like. I'm so proud of in retrospect where I was, I found a nine to five job in a city I had only ever visited once um, in one of the biggest cities in the country, expensive cities, nine to five. And then from six, seven to 10, I was in in master's degree classes. I was making friends. I was exploring the city. I was doing all these things. And I remember at the time, my, my salary was like 30 grand a year, which is like nothing. nothing. For, especially <laughs> when you're doing that. And I remember being like, this is the happiest oh, that wow. I've been.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And I don't It was like, it was a struggle. But like, I was living life in my own terms. I was not being irresponsible. I was... Um, I was like, you know, a little political geek and I was in Washington DC and I was like my daily walks, I would be like, oh, there's the White House, there's the Capitol, there's mm-hmm. like all these things. I was like, oh my gosh, I'm really making it happen for myself. Yeah. <laughs> and um I think all of that was colored by like this up op- this opportunity that I took despite the fear, despite the unknown and with the motivation to prove that I can overcome what happened to me through like legitimate and and um fulfilling means you know but that was probably my first big boundary that i put up and um I'll, i'll i'll roll back a little bit i remember when i told my family and my dad was like okay you know i'm so proud of you for doing this and uh this is so great i think he saw like wow my son's gonna be doing this my mom was on board from day one, but my dad took some convincing. And then I remember I had like a going away lunch or something. And I remember uh, my aunts, I can't remember who, was one or two of them came up to me and they were like, you know, your mom was sick, is sick. And a, a year or two prior to this, she had a stroke. She had recovered like 100%. Um, but they were like, why are you leaving? How could you do that? How yeah. could you leave? At this time, I just, I think, I think more than like, I think it was more than just what, like, what are they thinking at the time? Like, I think that they're like, this is not done. Mm -hmm. This Mm -hmm. is not what you do. Mm -hmm. And while they understood that it was me and this is something I would do, Mm -hmm. you know, they were just like, this is not what a family does. Mm -hmm. Um, You have ambition, but your ambition should only go as far as you're able to, um, again, help your family Mm -hmm. right and um i remember being like oh okay well this is the first of many sort of times that i had experienced that sentiment and i remember being like immediately uh red flag alert (laughs) just like no thank you i'm gonna do it Um, Oh, by the way, I have the support of my mom and my dad. Mm
1: -hmm. Thanks, but no thanks. Thanks, but no thanks. Yeah,
2: absolutely.
1: So then when you move to Washington, Mm -hmm. D.C., and you're doing your life and you're growing and you're experiencing new things, are you still in good contact with your parents with your sister or yeah. are you kind of keeping distance are you keeping distance from the rest of the family like mm-hmm. where is your mind at with family dynamics at that point
2: yeah because this really was one of the first times i had i had uh put up a very very stark boundary a very large wall of uh, um between me and my extended family um i was i was doing me y'all I was uh, living...
1: uh, Are you going home at Christmas? Yeah, I was.
2: And I was still doing uh, all of those things. I was keeping in good contact with my mom and my dad and my sister, talk here and there with my cousins. But I was still going home for family um, things, Christmas, not really Thanksgiving, but like maybe two, three times a year, I'd I'd come home and I would relish the the times I would be able to get together with everyone because that's what I grew up with, Mm -hmm. for better Mm -hmm. or
1: for worse. And at this point... Everyone is still living yeah. with it. Hush, hush, nothing's coming out. Is, is this family ma- member that abused you, is he still around? Or has he been kind of silently mm-hmm. moved away? Or what's the situation? So, right?
2: I think that me leaving didn't... Well, actually, me leaving probably allowed the culture of silence and the culture of... Um, of toxicity to probably thrive a little more because mm. I was the agitator. Mm. Things went like like they normally did while I was gone. People were still getting together. I think generally the the knowledge was out, but there was an unwillingness to confront it because it disrupted the status quo. Mm. It disrupted the culture that they had of like, well, we are close-knit. For better or for worse, and I'm not going to not talk to my sisters because of this, or I'm not going to um, boycott uh, family events because of this. So everyone was still getting together. It was it became an unspoken ugliness, like this very corrosive thing. But no one was willing to to bust it because it meant dismantling a larger quote unquote good.
1: Well, breaking up the entire family. Breaking up the entire family. Because then people would have to choose their sides, right?
2: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. There was a, the the. I think that I had already established myself as a side, um, I, and I, I do want to mention I had an older cousin who who was also a victim. Um, he was really the first whistleblower, but he fully dis like he disengaged himself mm-hmm. from the family. He married his partner, moved away, was was unwilling to uh, play ball with anyone. He was yeah. like, I'm out. I'm out. See you guys. I'll come in when I want to come in. Mm-hmm. That's what's best for me. Uh,
1: healthy boundary.
2: Healthy boundary. <laughs> hey, actually, my first role model for a boundary. And I remember as a kid, when he did that, I remember being like, ooh, why did I you leave? Yeah, for you, why did you leave? I said first, I was like, oh, that I felt the betrayal.
0: Yeah. Oh.
2: Um. But when it came my turn, I said, "Oh, I'm gonna do the same thing." Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah. So so it, it all continued, and by virtue of me not being there, it uh, probably uh, festered more. Hmm. And every time I'd pop my head back in, I'd be happy because it was, uh, you know, rare. I'd be happy to just play along. Hmm. I would uh, come to parties. Family events. At that point, I think, uh, you know, the perpetrator had been smart enough to, like, separate himself a little bit because everyone knew about what happened. Uh, But that relaxed itself after a few years because by, you know, the after five years of me being away, it was like, oh, the coast is
0: clear. Yeah. Come back in.
2: Yeah. And and at that point, a lot, um, I got more angry and I got more, what's the word? Um, vocal. I got yeah. more vocal mm-hmm. about what is happening. And I remember I I was getting pushback from folks, like my extended family members, people that I would consider like aunts and, and uh, not consider aunts, they were my aunts, but considered like my second mothers. Mm. Like people were saying things like, I'm so sorry that happened to you. We're a family and we have to keep the family together and and this is this is one of the things that angered and has angered me as someone who grew up a Catholic and also just like in a, in a in a passively religious family, you know Filipino family um I got a lot of he has found the Lord yeah and if the Lord can forgive him, then we should forgive him mm. He goes to church. And if and the I was priest still priests right, exactly.
0: still say mass
2: yeah, and right.
1: things still happen there.
2: Exactly.
1: Have and, you ever received an apology?
2: No. No. Yeah, so so part of the part of the frustration with that, aside from the fact of, of using religion and using um our tie to religion to sort of um, make it okay. Make it okay and guilt me into or guilt us into sort of an acquiescence to what happened. I just was like, wait, wait, wait. All this apology nonsense and all this forgiving nonsense. Um, there's never been an acknowledgement about what happened to us. Not from you all. Not from him. Not from anyone. Mm-hmm. So, so <laughs> if, if the conversation is now going to go to a place of... We should all collectively um, make this forgiveness. Like we as victims suffered, mm-hmm. suffered uh, through the abuse and then through the aftermath of the abuse and through your denial of mm-hmm. the trauma. What accountability has he taken? Right. And what what accountability have you pressed against him? Mm-hmm. Has anyone? Mm-hmm. And I think that their perception is, oh, he hasn't come to family partners. He's felt guilty, and <sighs> that like that was enough. Oh, my gosh. And, uh, oh, gosh, the mental and emotional toll that takes on you. I'm sure it was a lot. And I was doing this. I'm so strong. I'm away mm-hmm. from everyone. Um, I'm living my own life. I'm succeeding. I'm making more money than I like anyone in my ancestors probably ever thought I'd be able to do um, and make. And, and I was just like, oh, this is wrecking me. Mm -hmm. from across the country. I was like, this is wrecking me just like being finally able to be vocal about it and push and push and like try to find the pain point to see at what point these people are willing to act Mm -hmm. and uh, finding that there was no point.
0: It's probably being like, in a sense, mentally abused all over again. Uh Yeah. Just not having anyone back you. Mm -hmm. Like I can't even imagine that's probably in my mind, the worst thing you can experience as, a child, or generally sexual abuse or assault, and then to have your own family not even acknowledge it or want to change, Mm -hmm. even themselves, like, forget about him. Yeah. Like, we'll we'll back you. We'll take you, because you're our kid. You're our nephew, our godchild. You are who we care about.
1: Yeah, like, our connection to the rest of our family does not matter anymore. You do.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Okay, so then... Is there a boiling point? Is there a moment where it all comes back up again and you create even more boundaries?
2: Yeah. Um, And it's funny you mention that, uh, Taylor and Annalise, because for me, uh, you know, the abuse happened. A huge betrayal. Absolutely. I mean, we were children, right? This is not... This shouldn't be allowed. This shouldn't be tolerated. This should be um, punished. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, However, I say all that, and in my mind, the the re-traumatization of of the family sort of not denying the abuse, but minimizing the abuse, and then the refocus of, of... of the incidents to be like, it's on you to forgive. Oh, yeah. Was, to me, what I still live with today as the bigger betrayal.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah.
2: Like, he's, Mm -hmm. you know, he's the monster. He did what he did. Absolutely disgusting. But um, the people in my life who I grew up with as the trusted adults, as the trusted people who have my best interest at heart, who love me, who have encouraged me? Who have um, said, "Gosh, we are so proud of you." For them to say, "Why are you, why are you, why are you trying to break up the family?"
3: Mm-hmm.
2: To me, that triggers the most. Um, sort of, I feel like if I can use a metaphor, I feel like I'm a, I'm ready to like burst. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm a geyser ready to burst when, when I think of that. Mm-hmm. Because it's like, you know, if he, you know, he as a perpetrator did what he did. I don't know. I can, I can mentally be like, he's evil. He's, mm-hmm. He didn't love me, whatever. Um, these people who have poured love into me and showed love into me and said, you know, things and were around in my formative years for them to be like. Please don't say like don't you know. Please don't say anything and to twist it into like for, look like your mom and dad want to be part of our you know family parties and they haven't been able to go. Like I think you need to be able to let them. I was like, oh, how dare you twist this?
0: Yeah, like it's your fault. How dare
2: you? (laughs) Well,
0: and also, are you the (laughs) one telling your parents, you will not go? Or did they back you?
2: It's a combination of both, actually, if I'm being honest. Because I think that they... Like bless their, bless their hearts. They're just like we wanna we wanna live a happy little life and 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 we have this family unit we want to be able to get together. Mm-hmm. And I remember it was like we just we won't talk to him and like we'll try not to go. And that at some point later, um, after conversations are done, we're like, yeah, we're, we won't go to any family parties. That's fine. Or we'll start hosting family parties ourselves and invite people who we want to be there. But um, I was putting pressure on them to be like please stay away from mm-hmm. because like for my um for my like emotional and mental health I would like mm-hmm. for for you guys to um not break bread with this person right yeah um because everyone else is not following that yeah so I'd like you guys to so eventually they like they're like I we fully understand and I support you and, and I'm, I'm fully on board there was an incident uh, five six years ago where um they decided to have a family party. At one of the family members' house, and it happened to be the family member that was the perpetrator of the abuse. I I I had been away from home at that point eight years. I had already agitated how I had agitated by saying, You all need to stay away, whatever. They were there, and I remember going on social media. Social media is so dangerous, but uh. <laughs> and uh They had all posted photos of how fun, how much fun the family was having. And I remember front and center in the photo was the perpetrator. I'll say my parents were not there, which I was very happy about. They were like, we don't go. We wouldn't go. Everyone else was. Including parents and close family members of other victims. Breaking bread, smiling, sharing a beer. All together, like they were just this big, happy family. And I remember being like... Oh, he's not even hiding anymore.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Oh, they've all come to some conclusion that this is fine.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And uh, I happened to be, it was Thanksgiving. Again, I would never came home for Thanksgiving. It was just too close to Christmas for me to justify two big flights. Right. <laughs> so um, I was alone. I was, I think I was, uh, to make matters more like Stark, I was on a bus From DC to New York, I was like, I'm gonna do my own Thanksgiving. I'm gonna go to New York and explore. Mm -hmm. And I was on this dark bus, scrolling through photos Mm. one by one, smiling, happy people, all of whom know what happened. And I remember just internally just combusting and being like, a screw has broken loose. And I was calling, text. I was texting people, I was texting other um, close family members who were victims. I was texting um, older family members who I, I was like, this is a betrayal. This is why have you chosen them, him, over the, us? Mm-hmm. And why, as the victims, have we been subjugated to the bottom here? And I remember the reaction was, again, why can't you forgive? Why can't you get over this? Why? And on top of that, why can't you let it go? Ugh. And and I think I became like a union organizer in that yeah, moment. And yeah. I was like, I was like, hey, everyone else. Victor's Unite. Yeah. This? yeah, yeah. Why? Is this happening? Why do they not care? Why do they have no shame? And um, in that moment, as if I already wasn't, like, sort of agitator number one, I became to this very sizable part of my family, the, um, I think, the enemy. It was like I was the one shaking the house. Mm
3: -hmm, mm -hmm.
2: Because I was, if I could use this metaphor, I was the one shaking the house being like, get out. There's a danger there. Mm-hmm. And everyone in the house said, why are you shaking the house? Why are you trying to get us out? I was like, I'm trying to save you all.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And they were like, he's trying to knock down our house. Yeah. And uh, I said, oh, this is the way it is, which I already knew. Yeah. It was a confirmation to me that like, that... um I remember I was just so angry. I was so devastated. I said, what's right is wrong. What, what's wrong is right. What's, what's, what's down is up.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Like I said, uh, something twisted. And I said, oh, I, it was probably the lowest point I had ever been in. Because I said, I don't understand anymore what good or bad means.
3: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: What I said, like, I just don't. I, 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 I lost grasp. Of, of, of the way the world worked. Mm-hmm. And I was like fully a, a grown up, 30 something year old man, like dealing with all this and feeling so you, helpless. And uh, I said, at the hands of the people who you're told your whole life you have to have unconditional love for.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And I said, oh, this is twisted. Mm-hmm. This is so twisted. This is so disgusting. Whatever. Um, and I think uh, ultimately, I felt the ability to write everyone off and cut the tie of, oh, I shouldn't let myself feel this way. And it's been more than anything f- more freeing. Mm-hmm. Um, it is still complicated and I still have emotions and I still have history and memories with all these people. And therefore, I still have anger and emotion coursing through my body when I think about things. But um, cutting that loose to me, um, putting that boundary there, even if it's just me having the boundary there, was very freeing because I said, um, I don't need... For them to exert or to express that they care or that they would stand up for me, for me to feel whole,
3: mm-hmm. yeah.
2: And I think again, given everything I said about my family dynamic, that was a hard that was a hard cut to make.
0: Yeah, yeah.
2: But a necessary one. And um, after that, and I'll 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 yield the floor back to you guys for another more questions. But like, I was able to sort of rebuild, mm-hmm. and um, that has been sort of a refocus in my life that has brought so much joy, so.
0: Wow, that's amazing. You've been able to work yourself through that, not Mm -hmm. probably very few people could do that and come out on the other side with the perspective that you have. Because you not only created boundaries, but you also did the most difficult thing, which
1: is cutting off people that no longer serve you Mm -hmm. and being okay with letting that go. Right. Letting go of them rather than letting go of what they wanted you to let go of.
2: Right. And I felt like almost like, why did I wait so long? Mm -hmm. And I think it's because.
1: Because blood is thicker than water. Because
2: blood is thicker than water. You probably had hope
0: that they would see your side.
2: Yes. I think as, um, (laughs) after years and years of therapy, I, you know, eventually it was like it always came down to, it always came down to the little boy inside me. Right, That little child, the child who felt vulnerable, the child who felt abandoned. And since no one else was willing or able to protect that child, it was on me as the adult, as the human who's housing that child, to protect myself. Mm -hmm. And um, I think I let go for a long time because it was the only thing I knew. I let go of the idea of um, this village raised this child.
1: Mm. Yeah,
2: because this village failed this child. Yes, yes. and uh, I'm not saying family is a useless unit because that's not the truth. Um, but this family failed this these children mm-hmm. um, and it's not incumbent upon that child or those people or these victims to just accept that family, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. to heal themselves. That's not no. part of the equation. No. And I think that um, to impose that expectation upon anyone who's gone through trauma or abuse is unfair to them. Because you go through your whole life and you're like, why can't I forgive? And why can't I? No, you you suffered. The mm-hmm. onus
1: isn't on you yeah, yeah. Yeah. to fix it.
2: Right. And I feel like my whole life, like the, the onus has been on us. And then once we made clear that we were unwilling to do it, me and a few others in the family who went through the similar abuse, um, because we are suddenly adult, adults mm-hmm. and not kids anymore, we became enemies yeah. to the entire family. Mm-hmm. They were able to successfully vilify us and um in the last couple of years i have relished i'm like make me the villain yeah see how that
0: works for <laughs> yeah, you yeah <laughs> yeah exactly. what other stories can you twist <laughs> yeah yeah so today what exactly do those boundaries look like with um other family members yeah. do you still see um mm-hmm certain people or yeah. how does that do you actively seek them out or mm-hmm. is it just if they happen to be
2: around oh there's no active seeking there's no um there's no mm, i wish i could go to that party i wish right. i could i could uh, celebrate with people and give them hugs like um for me what it's looked like and i, I alluded to it earlier it was a rebuilding of the family unit in the way that brings me the most joy and brings us the most sort of Restorative, um, healing, mm-hmm. and that is is re. You know, part of me when I left over a decade ago was like a severing of ties. Right, um, moving across the country, of disengaging from any family because I thought, oh, just over it. Uh, in the last few years, I was like, "Well, let me engage with the people who we're all considered villains, or like we've right. we've become um, pariahs." So I said, "Okay, well, why don't why don't we try to get together? Why don't we try to sort of build this rebuild from the rubble of of uh, of us growing up?" And I know that you know there were a few of us, and we had all established our own lives, not for nothing. Everyone on this. Uh, on this journey, on our side of it, who has been a victim, most of us, have left. We all left. Mm. Um, Whether that means we moved to other states, we moved hours and hours away, we moved to Washington, D.C., whatever. We all sort of said, peace out, this is not good, bye. And um, uh, established, all of us, our own boundaries. Mm -hmm. And when um, I engaged... With those folks, I was able to find a community of of uh, a community, a family, a, a way to sort of rebuild with the foundation of love and understanding, an embracing of our history, the difficult history, um, an embracing of a new family that sort of took into account everything that we were going had gone through, everything that we had resuffered. By um, uh, coming out in our truth and um, it feels more pure
3: mm-hmm. and
2: it feels more it feels more joyful. Uh, there was no more like awkward like let's all get together and ha- and and just leave quiet the unspoken truths. Mm-hmm. It was like we could talk, we could hug, we can share, we can look each other in the eyes with the broken history mm-hmm. and use that to be like, Let's unbreak it Mm -hmm. together. Um,
1: Let's be the family we always wanted. Right.
2: And let's not let the distance between all of us um, be an obstacle to that. Yeah. And I think that it's fair to say that um, we haven't. And I haven't. And my other uh, cousins and family members who have gone through this haven't. Like, we are able to get together as much as as that person is willing to and rebuild a new family. Like, I think... Me moving back to California after um, being in D.C. for so long, I moved to the Bay Area and I'm near both of you guys here. Mm -hmm. And this is part of the new unit to me, too. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that that more than anything has brought me just so much joy because it's like uh, it's family on um, my own terms, you know, it's like I hate to get like really uh, cheesy and say, oh, it's like my chosen family. <laughs> but it is. It's like the family unit that I'm building out of a foundation of love um, and a foundation of, of understanding and um, not having sort of the toxic expectations right. that were placed
0: upon us. Mm-hmm. That's I, really beautiful. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> I am not... At all justifying yeah. um, the generation of those that no. like mm-hmm. you know still want to party and yeah. whatever the aunts and uncles. Did you find that your cousins of your age that were not victims mm-hmm. still took their parents' side of the situation, or are they? How does that work? Because there is a difference.
2: Yeah, it's a mixed. It's mixed. I think that those of us that were victims. Um, And those of us that were close enough to feel victimized, even if they weren't directly victims, Mm -hmm. have taken that step back, okay? Okay. I think that by the time we had sort of spoken up, there was a generation that wasn't as much prey to Mm -hmm. what happened.
1: They have benefited from it coming out at that point.
2: They had benefited from from us coming out, right? Because Mm. I think that everything kind of took a step back. So they experienced things a lot different than we did. and maybe not had not as much uh internal um turmoil and struggle to deal with. Mm-hmm. Um I will say and I'm not afraid to say it like we've we've talked about this specific incidence of of incident of of mm, toxicity but um my large extended family is toxic in a lot of ways.
1: Right. <laughs> right <laughs> it's not just how they
2: dealt with yeah. it's not just how they dealt with this abuse but there's a lot of again intertwined with expectations of mm-hmm. like you you are watch out for each other you carry each other mm-hmm. you uh, your success is my success etc there was is and was toxicity in the form of like financial stability and security and sisters and brothers and cousins and aunts and uncles helping each other out and um Some people's success versus other people's repeated failures, Mm -hmm. (laughs) and and uh, the a betray like uh, ideas of like, well, you're succeeding, your sister's not. It's a incumbent upon you to help them.
0: And over and over over and over and over and over over again. Like, why should I Uh have to be saddled with that? Because Taylor, (laughs) we're family. (laughs) Yeah.
2: And, like, if you don't pick up everyone yeah. else, yeah. it's like it's like you are disregarding generations right. of blood.
0: But again, going back to my question yeah. at the beginning, it's so wild. Like, you even just said, like, you're there to pick people up. You're there to support them. But when it comes down yeah. to the really hard things, it's like, oh, no, we're going to be hands off. Like, mm-hmm. you actually might not even be telling the truth or yeah. we just get over it. Mm-hmm. We're not going to support you in that. But, you know, go ahead. If you have a great job, like send us some money yeah. or right. come through. Like that is
2: wild to it's, me. It's very wild. And it's uh, uh topsy-turvy. It's crazy. Yeah. I think like, you know, it hits, a, it, 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 like, hits different, as the kids say. Um, because <laughs> I think like I my uh, other uh family members in my situation hit kind of a sweet spot because um a sweet spot of like l- l- weakness for them because it's like what we're imputing upon them or like trying to to get accountability for is the like the foundation the floor it's like it's like uh it, it requires too much, and this is maybe too generous of, of me giving an excuse—not an excuse, but like an understanding of them. But it's like what we're what we're trying to bust up there is like really the foundation of their house of cards,
3: mm-hmm.
2: right? It's like it, requ- it it requires of them a the ability and the courage to say this family unit. D- um, is not as important to us as the uh, well-being and the sanity and the the uh, emotional um, um, healing of our children. God, that sounds so
1: crazy, mm-hmm. doesn't
2: it? Um, mm-hmm. Like, a,
1: <laughs> especially being a mother, like I couldn't right. even imagine putting all of that above my children, mm-hmm. yeah, mm-hmm. and their experience.
2: It's nuts, but mm-hmm. like for some reason. Uh, they are fully, absolutely dying on the hill of this house of cards will stand. Mm-hmm. And if you are the ones shaking it, then we will lock you out. And we will lock you out by um, imputing your name and, and showing vi- yeah. you're the villains. You're the people keeping us apart. You're um, not supporting us. You're not doing this or that. Um, Gosh, what a defense tactic!
1: Mm-hmm. Well, and holding you at a distance yeah. and making you feel like you're uh-huh. the one that's wrong.
2: Mm-hmm. And and really, if we're coming back to the to the gist of this episode. Isn't that the best excuse for boundaries? Yes, <laughs>
3: yeah, <laughs> like,
1: yeah. I mean, it when you're being met with that. Mm-hmm. It makes it easy to just yeah. say, well, I'm mm-hmm. just going to not think about you. I'm not going to mm-hmm. call you. I'm not going to do all these yeah. things. Why should I put right. effort in mm-hmm. when you can't even acknowledge the pain you've caused me Right, right. and apologize and have, have a conversation about it?
2: Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. No conversations were had. Conversations happen around us. Behind your back. They're never <laughs> to you. Narratives are created. I, I don't even want to say conversations are happening narratives are created mm-hmm. outside of us mm-hmm. N- narratives that fit the agenda of the people trying to keep up the house a of cards. flimsy house of cards mm-hmm. and it's an at all cost effort and for me on the outside, me and my select few people that I am choosing to to build this, like, happy life with, um, we're building this life of love and, and of, of, of true sort of family connection. And in a lot of ways, again, um, for them to keep up the house of cards, they have to come up with some kind of story that we're living this evil, like... Um, non-supportive mm-hmm. life outside of them. And uh, so, yeah, it's just, it's ugly, but, and and sometimes pervades my calm and it like seeps into the joy that I'm building for myself, but that doesn't outweigh the good that uh, I've built mm-hmm. by enforcing boundaries and creating new truths and, and creating sort of pure environments of love and understanding that I'm building outside of it.
1: hmm Yeah. Well, that's all you can do. hmm I mean, at some point, you have to decide how you want to live your life and how you want to not have your past define what you want for future. your future. Right. As cheesy as that sounds. But true. Uh, True, because at some point you can't be living in panic. You can't be living in anger. Mm -hmm. You know, you have to just decide to let it go.
2: Yeah, and it's like that's harder. It's easier said than done, but it's like um, I've been able to be much better about that, and I think I think that's because I think that's because like um, putting up that boundary. And uh, having that moment where I said, I'm just going to sever the tie and not have expectations and do me and 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 engage with the people I want to engage with and build love with the people I want to build with. And um, that has slowly sort of, I think, rebuilt, like brick by brick, that internal strength that I think I lost mm-hmm. growing up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and... Um, it's working. I think I, I like for the most part. I'm very happy with with the family unit that I have rebuilt, and under and come to understand for myself. So yeah, no, I think it's all worth it. It's just difficult. I think it's <laughs> difficult, and it's a journey that not for the faint of heart. And like I know people who um, I've talked to people who are like, it was just easier to give up and give in. Or it was just easier, for instance, to run away and just stay away. I know that there are people I know, like, I've run into through my life who literally left their family and never looked back. And they just built this, like, they just really, from the the ground up, rebuilt a life. Excluding anyone from their past. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know what? Good on you. That's that's, a, that's f- another way. So great.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: I think that I couldn't extricate um, everyone from my life. And I think I had that perception that I could maybe like when I went to the East Coast and left my family. I said, that's what I'm doing because I am an independent, like an independent <laughs> woman, no, an independent <laughs> guy. And I'm sick. So, I'm smart, and I'm going to do this. I can do it alone. Right. But, like, I grew up in this, like, very thick, like, this this very thick, like, like, fam like, aura of family mm-hmm. being, like, the driving force in your life. And, mm-hmm. yeah, I, it, I just couldn't.
0: That probably makes it twice as challenging. Yeah. Because you didn't grow up with just a couple family members, and you're mm-hmm. like, hey, forget about you. Right.
1: But also, yeah. don't you think that you were able to do that because you had parents that were – courageous enough, strong enough, mm-hmm. supportive enough to then say I choose you. Yes. And turn away from the rest mm-hmm. of their family. The
2: pain of the pain of everything I went through was softened by the fact that my that my uh, just b- amazing loving mom and dad um, whether it was just a gesture or not um, said we choose you. mm mm-hmm. Mhm. There were difficult conversations that led up to that, but they did that. They said, we will, and oh my gosh, I appreciate this. They said, we will suffer the indignity of um, being ostracized from everyone else, being excluded Mm -hmm. um, by everyone else. If it means, one, that we don't have to be around that and them and him, and if it makes you feel more healed
3: mm-hmm.
2: because you're the priority. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's
3: incredible. And it
2: took a long time to get there. It didn't happen overnight, mm-hmm. but it happened. Oh my gosh. If I didn't have that, I might be I would have spiraled. Yeah. I think. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah.
0: Did you or any of your other union members such uh-huh. victims <laughs> ever want to like formally bring about any kind of charges or yeah. anything against him so that's
2: hard it's hard because i think one that's the <laughs> it's funny to use the um metaphor of a union because we're all in different places in mm-hmm. terms of motivation mm-hmm. i've always been angry in the the sort of the loud one but like i'm scary you yeah, know it's like yeah. but we haven't not done some things to try to Get it and like you know people have contact the police it happened so long ago the statute of limitations mm-hmm. um really kind of fucks us over yeah and then there's the fear of 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 it coming uh, of doing that and then having to regurgitate everything that happened right yeah yeah which is scary and then i think that's me and then there's uh other folks who have gone through it who i'm not sure want to do that yeah you know, you know? I'm not sure that they're ready to or that they're equipped to mm-hmm. or that they um, or they have a perception that like why, like what's the good, what's mm-hmm. going to come out of it. And therefore, I'm, it's a non-starter for me. Right. So, yeah, that's 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 mm-hmm. a tough question. Mm-hmm. I would like ultimate accountability for what happened. That would be fantastic. Mm-hmm. But but uh, the other piece of it and i think i shared this earlier is that if even if that person were held accountable for what happened it's it's the folks around them it's the family it's the people who purported to love you mm-hmm. that um were a deeper cut mm-hmm. a bigger betrayal
0: than the abuse
2: than the abuse and i think if that were to happen and they were to discover that it was at the hands of one of us who who, who agitated and 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 pushed for the accountability we would be even bigger villain because we would have knocked down that house
0: yeah see to me that would excite me (laughs) 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 to be the bigger villain of like if i mean obviously nothing like this ever happened to me so maybe i'd have a different thought if Mm -hmm. i was in your shoes but to think like right now i'd be like i'd be excited to like literally blow your entire world apart Mm -hmm. and go ahead and villainize me but I'm doing, I'm seeking my justice. Yeah.
1: But then on the flip side. true. How painful would it also be to watch the rest of your family run towards that unit to protect them. Mm -hmm. Again. And to make sure that they're not alone. Yeah. And that they're taken care of. And then really turn their back on you. Right. That's
2: true. Yeah. And for someone us. It's like, I'm working on myself. But, uh, and like, I like to think that I'm like, I'm in a great place. To see that, to see um, sort of like a a unity mm-hmm. in opposition to us, to mm-hmm. me, to other victims. Already that's wrecked me. To see it in like, uh, to 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 hypothetically see it in a scenario where it's like we're at the last level of the video game and, and it's like, Trying to beat the big boss, and then they they all get together. Ooh, that would what that would do to my psyche. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, it's
0: that's almost
1: like it's it's to better lose, to just yeah, yeah yeah. It's better to just do what feels right mm-hmm. with you and just let go. Yeah, because you're never gonna change them. Yeah, the hope is gone. Right.
2: It's like put up the protections that you need for your own safety and sanity and health and well-being. Yeah. Strengthen those mm-hmm. and try to live as happily and as truthfully as you can, mm-hmm. independently of, of your past. Mm-hmm. And it's like that's really all you can do. And if if it's full of love and it's full of joy and laughter and pain, mm-hmm. um at least it's 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 apart from It's apart from that trauma that has sort of dominated most of your life. And it's something that you've built on your own accord out of a purity. Yeah, I don't know. That's just like...
0: No, that's great advice. I really hope people listen to this because I think there are so many more victims out there in our own lives than you even realize. And it's like almost like once you hear of one person in your life, you start hearing of like, this person's affected and this, like Mm -hmm. you don't realize the scope of how many people are affected by something like this. And I think you have a lot of bravery and courage to discuss it in a public setting like this. And I just really hope that even one person listens and takes away, like you can make a difference by building your own, family structure your own boundaries of what works for you
2: absolutely and thank you i really appreciate that because like uh the the suffer and silence thing for so long is just like a it it gets mentally taxing Mm -hmm. so like being able to speak about it has been a lot of it's Mm -hmm. very freeing and very um therapeutic so i hope that i hope there's someone out there who's listening to it and is like even if they didn't go through anything as traumatic as Mm -hmm. we as i did or me and my other family members did, I hope they could get something out of this Mm -hmm. in terms of coming from something difficult, being able to put up a boundary, being able to put up something that protects you from something that's just eating away at you. Mm
1: -hmm. Absolutely. Uh,
2: Like, I, I don't enter into this podcast wanting to say family ain't shit. Mm-hmm. because family,
1: like, family's everything, family's yeah. everything. and for they, some people
2: it might not be but like right. for me it was an important mm-hmm. enough mm-hmm. that it was something i needed to rebuild right um but i hope that someone can listen to this and hear my story and hear our conversation and know that that they don't need to sort of just suffer where they are with who they're with and that they can rebuild
1: mm-hmm.
2: so yeah
1: And it takes those hard conversations Mm -hmm. to have with family to say, look, this is what I'm feeling. This is what I'm going through. And Mm -hmm. I need your support. And can you give that to me? And if you can, beautiful, then we can create something different. And if not, Mm -hmm. then I have to put up a boundary for myself because I can't suffer like this anymore. Mm -hmm. Mm Right. Yeah. And I can't be the son or the brother that you want me to be Mm -hmm. because you haven't given me your alliance i mean right
2: no right? Yeah, right yeah i mean like i don't want anyone like to to leave to end this podcast thinking that that like i'm saying cut people off because like that's not the that's not the message of it except only what isn't going to like just ultimately harm you right
0: yeah
2: you know like i we don't have to sit there and because i love my aunt so much suffer through the indignity mm-hmm. of feeling like my pain and my suffering should be prioritized less right. than the happiness of others. Yeah, like yeah. I think that I think that you can have a family and live a, a fulfilling life without having to minimize yourself like that. And I think you, as someone who is suffering, will have a better life if you don't do that.
3: Mm-hmm. Like
2: you have to, you have to. Uh, Again, like I think that you have to watch out for yourself. I think mm-hmm. if you're if you're going through life with that much pain and with that much on your soul, you will you will go through life probably experiencing things and understanding things, but there'll always be a heaviness, and the people around you will, I think, uh, not get the full you. Yeah,
0: mm-hmm. and
2: so you are um, disadvantaging yourself, and you're disadvantaging the people around you. Mm-hmm. So whatever, uh, cons- whatever sort of armor you can build, where you are giving yourself love and building that that understanding of love within yourself and with others, and not minimizing the pain you've gone through and not minimizing um, the struggles you've gone through, like that's the that's the best we can do, you know. Yeah. So that's that's what I'm doing. I'm trying to do it. And some people might think it's selfish.
0: No. I think what you're doing seems like very healthy and you're doing it well. Thank you. And you haven't bashed anyone, not even on here. Not I've never been in a setting with you since I've known you where you have sat and been like, I hate this person or that you've no. never You've always done it with such respect. Yes. And Truth, mm. yeah, which I don't think I could do if I were, and no. I would want to completely like, like Annihilate. Go, yeah. go for the jugular.
1: <laughs> I also think you do, you give everyone grace and mm-hmm. you try to understand their side mm-hmm. of it, mm-hmm. even when it's so blatantly wrong. Right. You'll right. still say, but maybe it's this, I don't know. And yeah. that's just, I mean, speaks to the person that you are.
2: Mm-hmm. Oh, thank you so much.
1: Yeah, so thank you. Yes. For coming on and being courageous and mm-hmm. doing this the best. Yeah.
2: We, we appreciate you. it. Yeah. Thank you for having me and giving me this uh, space to be able to speak freely. Absolutely. And not for nothing, you know, I feel like part of this family. Absolutely. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this this uh, podcast, uh, PSA, this podcast is part of me rebuilding my family. <laughs>
0: <So>. <laughs> we'll take it. <laughs> If you aren't already following us on social media, check out our Instagram at with friends like us podcast. Be sure to subscribe to know when new
1: episodes go live and follow us on Instagram for the latest news. Thank you so much for listening. Love you.
0: Love ya.